0: Hey everyone, Christy McClellan here, and I want to invite you to a brand new event from Lifeway Women called Feast. At this event, you'll be invited to feast on God's Word by studying the Bible in its historical, cultural context. We're going to get to know the Bible in its world, in its native habitat, text, and context. You'll experience teaching worship led by my 25-year friend, Laura Cooksey, and fellowship with other women around the world. Come and learn with me that the living God is better than we ever knew. Visit com slash feast to learn more.
1: Welcome back to The Mark Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Heineman, and I'm here with my co-host. Hey, I'm Kelly King. We are live and in person. Yes. I'm saying that every time, just so I that... Know. Cause, yeah, cause we we <laughs> I know. Because we haven't been live and in person. And so uh, we are recording this at Life with Women Live, and we're so excited to be face-to-face with people and like getting to chat. And um, for this episode, we're going to be talking with Jen Wilkin and Christy McClellan, and we're so excited to get to chat with y'all about... The Bible and women in the Bible. Yeah, I feel like we can be kind of in the nerd zone for this one, oh, don't for you? Sure. God? I <laughs> think yes. so. I'm like <laughs> ready to put on my glasses and just yes. dive in deep. Yeah. yeah. Pull out the commentaries. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Both of you have been on our podcast before, so we won't make you like do a full introduction, but if you could just briefly just give your life story, I'm just kidding, maybe <laughs> just if your testimony, um, but if you could just tell us like a little bit about yourselves, your ministries, uh, and what God is doing right now. Uh, For you in life. I feel like it's crazy. Yeah, we can start with Christy. First of all, if we're in the nerd zone, I'm very happy right now, <laughs> no, no. so let's just <laughs> lead out with that.
0: Yeah. Um, but for the past 15 years, I've had just the privilege of teaching Bible in the mm-hmm. Biblical Studies Department at Williamson College, and I also serve as the Executive Director of New Lens Biblical Studies. I take teams on two-week Biblical study trips to Israel, yeah. Turkey, and Greece, and Italy, um, helping Western believers get a better understanding of the Scriptures in their original historical and cultural context.
1: Yes, so you've been kind of grounded for a little while. I am grounded, <laughs> and I am sad to be grounded. Yes. I'm in
0: the process right now of rescheduling my fourth Israel team for oh, this year. Wow. Oh my goodness. And it's been 13 years since I've gone this long without being in the land. Wow. Yeah. Um, and the land is a well for me. So I'm a little parched, Yeah, um, but very grateful. I was so excited for this weekend. Yeah, I'm an extrovert, so to get out and be with people. <laughs> so this is a ministry to me just to get yeah. to be here this weekend.
1: For sure.
2: Yeah, um, I mean, I'm currently on staff at my church. I'm overseeing our next gen ministries and family ministry and our resources right now. I've had many hats at the church, but the one thing that has been constant through my time there has been teaching the women's Bible study, writing the curriculum uh, and then additionally, I write and speak in other forums, or at least I have historically. Now I just do things in my living room, which is, uh, I'm not, Christy, I'm not an extrovert, so I'm living my best life in my stretchy pants right now and not sad about that piece, although it is very strange times for all of us. Um, and yeah, I, my, my drumbeat is for Bible literacy, um, specifically among women, but not limited to women, but that's just the place that I have the most opportunity and uh, to, to speak into things and, and, and want to speak into things and so have, have built uh, my ministry around that message that the, the Bible is for everyone and that we should have access points for, for all the people who are sitting in the seats so that we don't have an expert amateur divide
3: between the people who are on the platform and the people who are listening. That's good. Yeah, Jen, I think a lot of women can probably, you know, if they're working on a church staff or even volunteering in a church, they get the whole, I wear a lot of hats or I've had lots yeah. of jobs yeah. because that tends to happen a lot um, in, yeah. in a lot of different contexts. But I think especially in ministry for women, they tend to, to kind of have, oh, and you can do this, and can you help <laughs> yeah. us with this?
1: <laughs> I was a church secretary for a little while, and that like line about o- other, other duties as assigned, mm-hmm. that was really That's stretched. And yeah, there yeah. was a lot that fell into
3: that category. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, one of the things we love about both of you is that you, you help us learn a lot about women in the Bible and how to study the Bible, and one of the things that you both do really well— is helping us understand the importance of context in Scripture. So, Jen, let's start with you just a little bit. Why is that so important, and how do we do that well?
2: Well, I think that uh, probably the pervasive idea around Bible study in our current Um, day is that the Bible is for me and for now. And the Bible is for me and for now, but the Bible is also for us, the church, and for always. And before the Bible is for me and for now and for us and for always, it has been for them for then. It has been Mm -hmm. for those who came before us. And so anytime we open up the scriptures, we should be sensitive to the fact that we're not the first person Person or people that these words were written to, and we have a responsibility to do our best to put ourselves in the skin of the original hearers a little bit, and and so I think sometimes when people hear this, uh, they can think, oh, if I learn about the history or the culture of the time in which a book is written, it will be the secret decoder ring that unlocks this book for me. Mm -hmm. And I always like to be very clear that there is a plain meaning to Scripture that's uh, that is accessible to us if we don't have some of these historical and contextual um, cultural clues. But that information is actually available to us and it isn't even that hard to find. And so I would say, especially to those of us living in this particular time period in the life of the church, to whom much has been given, much is required. We have an incredible amount of access to, to this kind of of context. And so um, we should we should take that opportunity to avail ourselves of it and step into the world of the people who the
3: Bible was originally written to. But do you find that women a lot of times like even this morning, I started the book of Jeremiah yesterday. If I was if I just open my Bible, start Mm -hmm. looking at Jeremiah, there's a lot of things in there that I'm going to be like, I have no idea what this is, and yes. so, and I'm I'm really glad you said access is available. Mm-hmm. Like we just mm-hmm. have to work a little harder, mm-hmm. maybe at understanding. And, and Christy, you do a good job of helping us think through what is that that Middle Eastern lens, mm-hmm. and how would it the ears of those you know that that got it the first time? Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about the importance of that lens.
0: Well, the Bible was given to us primarily by Middle Easterners Mm -hmm. living in a Middle Eastern context. Mm -hmm. And so it just adds to our understanding of what the biblical authors meant by what they wrote, what they said, and Mm -hmm. what they did. It sort of transports us back into their world when the living God took on flesh and came down to walk with and among his people. And so it just gets a little bit closer. When Jen was talking about her passion for Bible literacy, I tell my students all the time, the living God is the best storyteller that Mm -hmm. there's ever been. Mm -hmm. And the Bible Sometimes we use terms like systematic theology and things like that, but the Bible is the story. Mm -hmm. It's a narrative that we are being told and that we're being invited into. Mm -hmm. And so to come to the scriptures somewhat on its terms and to get a better understanding of what's going in it and how all the pearls string together in harmony and in unison, for me, it's really helped to invite me into it. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm able to locate myself in the story and to hear what the living God is saying to me and my own day and my own time and my own generation. And cultures are very different. Mm-hmm. And to live in a multicultural world. Um, the first time I went to Israel back in 2007, when God opened up the door for me to go study there, I felt like I was going home with mm-hmm. Jesus. I mm-hmm. felt like I was going home with Jesus and getting to know him yeah. in his Middle Eastern cultural world. And I tell people all the time it Jesus is better than we ever knew. Mm-hmm. And for the past 13 years, I've just been so passionate about serving as that bridge for that and just really making sure that people understand the Bible is put on the bottom shelf by the living God. Mm, and good. it is for all. Mm-hmm. And and it's a feast that we're being invited to to take in.
1: Yeah. And just to follow up on that a little bit, I know you talk a lot about the honor-shame culture and how that is so um, pervasive in the Bible and in Scripture, especially when it comes to women. Can you just briefly, I know that's going to be hard because you have a whole study (laughs) about this, but could you just briefly explain that so that our listeners will understand that aspect of Scripture?
0: So when we talk about just some differences between Western culture and Middle Eastern culture, Mm -hmm. um, as an American people, we are much more Athens and Rome than we are Jerusalem. We're we're much more Greco-Roman in our underpinnings than we are Hebraic. And both in the biblical world and today, the Middle East, not just Israel, but the greater Middle Eastern world, they are what we call an honor-shame culture. Here in the West, we're more of a guilt-innocence culture. We're more of a horizontal culture. But the biblical world in the Middle East today, they're a vertical culture. And so they don't speak in terms of what is right or wrong. They speak in terms of what is honorable and what is shameful. Mm -hmm. And so it's a different culture. It's a different language. And so when we talk about women, when we go back 2,000 years to the first century Jewish world of Jesus, um, as a woman, I'm really curious about where was woman located in that world mm-hmm. 2,000 years ago. What was her life like? What was she up against? What was for her? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where we begin to see just another shade of just Jesus's unique ministry mm-hmm. um, then. And I love it because if he did it for her, he's doing it for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's the one who lifts us out of our shame, restores our honor, and sends us out in shalom. Yeah. Yes. And so- I
1: think I think I was just gonna say I've heard Jen talk about this with Rahab, and I may be like spoiling something later on, but um, <laughs> that is one of the one of my favorite stories to hear from this perspective because I feel like we often. Um, and, and you talk about a lot of the women in the Bible too. in your study, Jesus and women, there's a plug. <laughs> but yeah, it, I feel like that very demonst- very well demonstrates the honor, shame and how God was bringing her out of her shame mm-hmm. and into a place of honor and even in where He lists her in the Bible um, in the genealogies mm-hmm. of Christ. And so I think um, yeah, we've heard both of you talk about that, and that's such a, a powerful, tool and lens to view scripture through for sure yeah and even in kind of jumping off of that of
3: how do we see like the encouragement that we can give women today Mm -hmm. who maybe face that or they live and maybe um just shame Mm -hmm. um what's the encouragement that we give them from scripture of how jesus treated women Mm
2: -hmm. We always dignifies them. He sees them as image bearers. Um, You can't find a story of Jesus interacting with a woman as a temptress or as um, a usurper where he thinks she's going to take something from him. Uh, he, He meets them where they are and he invites them into the true story. Uh, if they happen to be living outside of it. And let's face it, we all are until we meet him. And so he dignifies them in their humanity. This is something actually we were talking about just earlier at a lunch that I was at. Uh, we have a tendency to start with uh, with Genesis 3 when we address people and we mm-hmm. want to jump right to their sin problem. Uh, and, and yet um, the the way to draw someone into the true story is to start with anthropology, just to start with who you are. You're an image bearer. And I think that's what we see Jesus doing. When a culture around goes straight to the shame dialogue, he keeps pulling it back to uh, to Genesis 1 and 2. This is yeah. what you were created to be.
1: Yeah, I love that. Especially as we're going into an election year. I mean, we're in an election year. We're not going into it. But <laughs> I feel like that it's is a something long year. that yeah. years. <laughs> right. yeah. I feel like I we are having to constantly remind ourselves even the people around us, like these are image bearers, the people that we can't see because we're right. not seeing a lot of people face to face right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so through the screens, these are image bearers and starting in that place rather than the, like they're broken by sin, which we all are. Um, it really does change your perspective, not only of the people that we see in the Bible, but also the people around us today and just how, um, yeah, we are all, I love starting in Genesis one and talking through that and, and, and just how that's who we were made to be. We were made to reflect God. And um, and all the people around us are also made to reflect mm-hmm. God and be bearers of his image. And the people that you don't see, that you just see their like, tweets or whatever, they also are image bearers. And so that's just important to keep in mind, I feel like, especially this season, but always. Always, yeah. yeah. I
3: think it'd be fun to just have them t- tell us maybe, put you on the spot, maybe a favorite story of a woman in the Bible. Like if you had yeah. to pick, maybe one that you kind of just
1: like you love to go to—that's well, to. kind of our marked question. <laughs> oh, it is. Oh, yeah. Okay. So well, she, well do I mean, we want to similar. jump ahead? Let's go for it. We can. Yeah. We and can I know, I know, Christy says she's going to have a hard time picking between them, so she can. You can do more mm-hmm. than one. <laughs> what? So we always ask, "What's marked you?" And we wanted to make this one a little bit different because mm-hmm. we've asked both of you that question. So, tell us about a woman in the Bible who has marked you in your walk with Christ. You know, I had to take my dog on a walk
0: to find this one. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um, so Chester and I went for a walk, but I, I tried. Love to that you both love dogs too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. true. Yes, we didn't yeah.
3: think about that. Yes, yeah.
0: but I think in this season, because 2020's held a lot of loss for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had to let a lot go, and I've just been thinking a lot about Yaakov Ed, uh, Moses' mm-hmm. mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she is really ministering to me because she births Moses. Mm-hmm. And the text tells us in Exodus 2, she has to give him up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't even fathom or imagine what that would be like. But the Bible was given to us that we might know who God is, mm-hmm. and what he's like, and what it is to walk with him. And I just love that as you continue reading Exodus 2, he mm-hmm. gives him back to her. Mm-hmm. Um, she ends up getting to be his wet nurse. Mm-hmm. And so... I've really been asking the Lord to help me have the faith of a Yahved Mm -hmm. right now and to not be afraid to yield and to give up the things that I need to give up because who is God and what is he like? He's the one that restores things and brings renewal to things. And Mm -hmm. some things are going to come back around and they're going to find me and come back home to me. So I've just been thinking a lot about what it would have meant for her to build that basket -hmm. With tar and pitch, Mm -hmm. and to put him in the reeds of the Nile. Mm -hmm. And then what she must have felt like the faithfulness of the living God Mm -hmm. when Miriam comes back to her and says, You can be his wet nurse. Mm -hmm. Um, So he is a restorative God. Mm -hmm. So her story's really been interesting to me. What's
3: interesting about that, because I'm going to throw this back, that this morning I was looking in your Bible study, and you were talking about when the manna dried up that it did not dry up too soon or too late. It was right on God's time. And I think that's such a good reminder of God's redemptive process, that He's always on time and that He gives us the provisions that we need, even in the midst of a season where we feel that kind of loss in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So. Um, that encouraged me from your study this morning, so I just want you to know that, too. So, and that's awesome. Yeah. Jen, you. what about
2: you? Oh, I'm totally going to say five, but they all happen right in the same place, and <laughs> you're, you're, you're right where I was with
3: Christy. It starts with
2: Shifra and Pua, and then Jochebed and Miriam, and even Pharaoh's own daughter, because if you think about like for my whole life i thought of charlton heston associated with the book of exodus like uh, and even with the later versions that were made those stories always start you know when moses is already uh, growing or mm-hmm. grown and that's not where the book of exodus starts it yeah. starts with five female deliverers who literally Deliver Israel. Mm-hmm. You know they are like Shifra and Puah are literally delivering Israel in the face of death, uh, and and the same as we said with Jacob and with with Miriam and and that Pharaoh's Pharaoh's statement to kill the male Israelites is mm-hmm. basically a statement against female worth. He basically mm-hmm. doesn't even see women as a threat. And so then you see these five women, even his own daughter, subvert his plans um, by bringing Moses safely to a place where he's going to lead the nation of Israel out. And so it's just an extremely powerful image to me, and one that I feel that was kind of withheld from me and my understanding of that story for years. It just wasn't spoken of. I had never heard of the Hebrew midwives into adulthood. Mm -hmm. And some of that's because I hadn't been very faithful in my Bible reading plan, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's a plug for Bible literacy. Mm -hmm. Um, But you find those stories there and they're not they're not small interjections into the text, they're shaping the whole story of the book. So it's just a precious couple of chapters to me.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you've got a study coming out next year. Oh, well, I certainly do. (laughs) 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 And I'll probably cry in that part when I teach that episode as well. Yeah. I know. But I've heard you talk about the midwives Mm -hmm. before. And it made such an impression on me. I actually wrote a seminary paper on that. because No, I did. Because it was just, I had never read it through that lens before Mm -hmm. of just the deliverers Mm -hmm. just how literal they delivered you know Mm -hmm.
1: but just the deliverance of of his people it's so powerful yeah yeah well before we go and this is also putting you on the spot Uh because I don't think we uh gave you this ahead of time but I would just love to know some resources you talked about. We have all of this at our fingertips. So what are some very like practical resources that women, if they're like, I do want to learn more about the Middle Eastern culture that the Bible was written in or, you know, these women of the Bible that we often skip over or just don't hear as much about. So what are some very like practical like websites or books or commentaries that y'all would recommend for learning that kind of stuff?
2: Well, before I mention a resource, I'm going to mention a tool, and that yeah. is question your presuppositions. Mm-hmm. I find that often the way that we read the stories of women in particular is based on something that we've heard taught before, yeah. or we're filling a silent space in the text with something that is our own um, experience mm-hmm. or, or or something that we've been told. And um, we expect I don't know why we expect this of the Bible, but we expect that the Bible will express outrage every time there is something that is outrageous Mm -hmm. or that the Bible will express joy every time there is something Mm -hmm. joyful. Um, But if we were reading with more of the ears of the original hearers, we would know where to fill in the outrage and the joy in a way that we just haven't developed a lot of muscle memory around most of us. So when you read a story and you um, feel panic because you think, Maybe God hates women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, take a deep breath and ask, did I bring something into this that, that isn't there? And and then uh, let your natural curiosity be raised. Uh, and then in terms of just resources, really most of us just need to start with a decent study Bible yeah. and let that point us toward deeper study if there's something we want to look into further. Um, it does take time to figure out where mm-hmm. you can tru- what, what sources you can mm-hmm. trust. And so I'm really interested to hear... Um, Christy, what you would say, um, because you've done a deep dive on a lot of this. But I think for most of us, if we would just start by reading that introductory material at the beginning of a book of the Bible, and then if we would read whatever story we're in, in the context of that whole book, Mm -hmm. it would help us to anchor ourselves without going even much deeper than that.
0: For sure. I love the question, because again, it's just another way for us to make sure Um, that we are affirming that the Bible is on the bottom shelf. Right. Um, So speaking of Bibles, um, Mm -hmm. oftentimes I get asked, Christy, what kind of a Bible do you Mm -hmm. use? Um, I love it. I would put barbecue sauce on it and eat it (laughs) if I could just take it in. It's the NIV First Century Study Bible Mm -hmm. by Kent Dobson. And it's valuable. Like Jen said, it's the introduction to every book. but. All of the commentary is through an Eastern or a Middle Eastern cultural lens. Mm -hmm. So when you're reading something like what Jen was saying, I tell my students all the time, if you read something in the Bible and God seems just arbitrarily mean Mm -hmm. or something is going on, just back up something Mm -hmm. maybe culturally is going on. Maybe it's an idiom. Something is happening right now. And just be okay to simmer in it. Mm -hmm. You know, the Jewish people talk about eating the mystery. Mm -hmm. We want to solve the mystery. But the scriptures are greater than us, and so sometimes we can just eat them until some revelation comes along through study or community or different things like that. But I've been using that Bible for several years, and another one, it's called the Cultural Background Study Bible. Mm-hmm. It's another one where all of the commentary, the map work, the cultural underpinnings and understanding, it, it they, these Bibles function like a time machine. Yeah. They will take you into the biblical world and help you, again, as Jen was saying, kind of read and hear and understand these stories the way that the people who were there embodying Mm -hmm. and living them out Mm -hmm. what it would have meant to them how they would have heard it how they would have experienced it what it would have meant to them and then we can gain a better understanding of what it's saying to us
1: today yeah that's so helpful because I feel like that gives us a place to like start Mm -hmm. and um, we'll have links to everything in the show notes so that you can find it. Um, and yeah, thank you so much, both of you, for being here. It's great is, to have you both. Yeah, yeah yes, oh, I love being you. in the nerd zone. Is oh, that yeah. what you find <laughs> <laughs> I in the nerd zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's in yeah. the nerd zone. No, don't <laughs> ever. No. <Yes. laughs> so thank you both for um, being on the podcast today and we'll see you all next time. Bye.
0: Well,
1: this episode was recorded at the Lifeway Women Live, which was a digital event, but normally at our regular events, we love to have the opportunity to like lift up some organizations that are doing a lot around the world to help women and children in need. And one of those organizations is Compassion International. Um, if you listen to our podcast, you've heard us interview Elizabeth from Compassion and Lillian from Compassion. And so we're always excited to get to just get some behind the scenes looks at that. But we also want to make sure that you're aware that you can sponsor a child through Compassion.
3: Absolutely. It's super simple, isn't it, Elizabeth? Yes. And we really would like for you to go if you are... If you'd like to find out you know, information, you can pick a child, all of that. You can go to compassion.com slash lifeway and that will take you directly to our page and it'll give you some options of, of different girls. And the support that you give, it's $38 a month and it includes medical checkups, which often can save their life, nutritious food, health and hygiene training and educational assistance. And most importantly, they get to hear about Jesus Christ. And so this is a way that we can be gospel-centered and that we can proclaim the gospel to to children who may not hear about Jesus.
1: Yes, and again, that is Compassion.com slash Lifeway, and you can see some familiar faces there um, with their sponsored children, and so that's just a really fun um, thing to see and just hear about their relationship with the children they sponsor. So Compassion.com slash Lifeway, sponsor a child today.
3: Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly D. King and at Edie Heineman. Use
1: the hashtag Marked Podcast to connect with us. You can also find Lifeway Women on all social media channels at Lifeway Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at lifewaywomen.com slash podcast. If you love the show, leave an iTunes
3: review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the podcast. We'll see you next time.